Should get a check, check, check. Just ignore it. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. From the studios of KVNO at the University of Nebraska Omaha, you are on the Innovation Overground. My name is Joe Rungi from Unimed Corporation, the Unitech Institute. I'm here with my colleague, reform journalist and cream cheese enthusiast, Charlie Litton. I cannot, yes. Say cream hi, Charlie. Cheese. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, you got me excited about cream cheese. Sorry. You do look excited. It's, I'm going to just back away slightly. <laughs> um, I'm also here with a uh, millennial on the move, uh, Dr. Tyler. Sure, share, share, share. Say hi, Tyler. Hi, Joe. And I do believe that you have a uh, super special message uh, for our listeners out there. Yes, for our tens of listeners, we're happy to have you. Please like and subscribe. Give us a five star rating. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can express enough gratitude for the people who have talked about the podcast already and told us that they like it. We really like to do this, and it's uh, enormously gratifying that anyone listens. So. No matter our audience, we really appreciate it. Thank you, each and every one of you. So we, at the, on this podcast, talk about university innovation and the sort of otherwise unspoken stories on how you go from an idea to an invention to an actual thing and a thing on a shelf. And we were talking previously about the next sets of shows we need to do, and we really wanted to talk about something that is an actual thing that's actually on the shelf that's actually being produced. And one of them that we talked about is creatine ethyl ester. And unfortunately, in having this conversation between us, we quickly realized that we don't know the story. Wait, what's creatine ethyl ester? Exactly. Exactly. What is creatine ethyl ester? In fact, none of us knew this. It's on the shelf. Like you can actually buy it and, and we don't know what it is. So we did the, the most logical thing. We called our boss. And so I am very happy to introduce for the first time ever a guest to the Innovation Overground. We are so excited. This, there's so much energy right now. They're just waiting for me to say his name. Waiting. Did you forget his name? You forgot his name. It's okay. To can you write it down? <laughs> Here. Dr. Michael Dixon. Attaboy. Hi, Michael. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Great. You weren't listening, were you? <laughs> I didn't hear any of it. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. We're doing great here. So, uh, Michael, could you just briefly uh, talk about your role and your background and, and how you got into the technology transfer business, please? Sure. We, we've got 35 to 40 minutes for that, right? Oh, just take as long as you need. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, happy to. Um, so uh, my background is science. I was a scientist trained to uh, pipette and grow uh, bacteria and other types of cells. Uh, made the switch into tech transfer about 15 years ago here at UNMC. Uh, so started doing business development, worked for a patent attorney for several years. I uh, got to work with Jim Linder doing business development for several years and learned a lot from both individuals, uh, my mentors in, in the past, and, and continue to learn from bright folks like uh, Joe Rungi and Charlie Litton to help me do my job better. So that uh, just that name drop there for the listeners out there, Jim Linder is the CEO of Nebraska Medicine and the former interim president of the university. So kind of a big shot. And, and former president of Unimed too, yeah. Charlie. And he's a pretty big deal. So yeah, yeah, we have to be careful every week. We get like three mentions of his name before I have to start paying. <laughs> the royalties don't kick in for a while. <laughs> okay, so. come on, guys. We're trying to keep it on the cheap. So, uh, Michael, one of the things that we don't have a lot of experiences. It's a it's an older part of our portfolio. Can you 
briefly explain what creatine ethyl ester is and kind of the invention of the way of making it that came out of the University of Nebraska Medical Center? Yeah, sure. So creatine ethyl ester is essentially a, 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 like creatine. So creatine monohydrate is, is what uh, hit the shelves, uh, I think, in the late 80s, 90s. A lot of the football players, weightlifters were taking it as a supplement to uh, to enhance muscle uh, growth. So it's a natural substance. Um, but one of the problems with creatine monohydrate is that you have to take a lot of it in order to get an effect because it wasn't very bioavailable. That is, when you, when you eat it in a pill or drink it, um, it tends to pass through uh, rather quickly and doesn't get absorbed into, uh, into the blood where you need it to then get to the muscles and, and do what it does best. So when you say a lot, sorry to interrupt, but when you say a lot, how much a lot are we talking about? Like 90-some percent, 95, 98. I don't remember the numbers exactly, okay. but it's this significant amount. And, and what, when weightlifters would take it, they'd want to take more and more, and then you get bloated. You feel like you're retaining water. And, and just to get that, that marginal, you know, a couple percent more to really make an effect, they were having to take a lot of creatine monohydrate. So... What? Who are the inventors from UNMC, and, so, and what was kind of their their yeah, innovation so, here? So we have a very bright group over in our pharmaceutical sciences department, and they they were interested in these molecules because there's a lot of benefit to being able to more readily absorb creatine, and so they were working on different formulations and came up with an ethyl ester. So instead of a creatine monohydrate, it's an ethyl ester and. I really can't do the chemistry here, nor would anyone, I think, really enjoy hearing about the chemistry at this point in time. I will uh, point you to the pharmaceutical science group, and I'm sure you can get a nice 45-minute talk on, on how they did it. So let's pretend we just did that. But the really important <laughs> thing is that what they found is that um, it crosses that barrier, that gut barrier better, and gets absorbed into the blood at a higher rate. So effectively, what it can do is, is take less to get more of an effect. And that's really important because for the, the especially the bigger weightlifters that need to take more of the creatine to, to get the effect, um, this allowed them to take smaller doses yet yet get more, more effect from it. Um, one of the challenges of creatine ethyl ester is stability. So it does break down to creatine, creatine monohydrate, and or creatinine, which is essentially the waste product. And so one of the tricks of this is not just to create it, but also to keep it stable long enough so that when it gets into your gut, it's in that right form so it passes through and that you're not just taking in either straight creatine or worse, um, creatinine, which is a waste product. So for all the bodybuilding enthusiasts listening to the show right now, where can they get UNMC-generated creatine ethyl ester right now? Uh, so there are, there are several products made by Vireo Systems uh, that, that contain creatine ethyl ester. Um, they, they're branded alpha, um, alpha amino, um, sorry, amino active, and uh, they, they sell them um, on their website and I, I think in some specialty shops also. Um, one of the challenges that they've had is that um, as soon as we started to publish on this, even though we had a patent, um, many, many different nutraceutical companies started to make their own products using um, our patented process. Wow. So how did we work with our licensee to address that? Yeah, so it was a, it's a huge challenge. So you don't have the same barriers you, you have in, in other pharmaceuticals to prevent people from doing it because there requires more FDA approvals and you have to have the right materials and show that you're making them in a certain manner. 
Our licensee was making them in the manner we described, uh, very high-quality materials. Um, but all of the ones that started to come online, uh, other than ours, or our licensees, um, weren't exactly the same. And so it, it, it's twofold of a challenge. One is um, it started to get a bad name because people were taking it and not seeing the effect, not realizing that the product may not contain what was being what it was being marketed as. So, and two, it was taking market share away from our licensee. So what was it containing then? Well, that's a great question, Joe. Um, we had that same question. And as we started to look, how do we enforce this? So in, in our world, the one way you enforce is, is you can sue for patent infringement. So as we started to look at the 40 or so companies that were infringing or at least marketing uh, our product, uh, the name of our product, we did a mass spec analysis on them, and the results were really interesting. Um, so of the 40, um, more than half, um, probably two-thirds, were uh, actually not creatine ethyl ester. They were creatinine, or I'm sorry, creatine monohydrate or creatinine, which is the waste product. That is something that would have marginal effects similar to creatine monohydrate or no effects. Um, there were actually a few products that we couldn't determine what the substance was on mass spec. Uh, didn't show up as, as creatine, creatinine, or creatine ethyl ester. So we, we are yet yet to be determined. Okay, I'm no scientist, but that seems bad. It is. And it's a known <laughs> problem in the nutraceutical field that that it isn't as regulated as, um, as other fields. And so, this, to, to us, this was a huge challenge. How do we, one, let Customers know that this this technology that we reported on in scientific literature and then patented is you know is being sold as what it what it says it is. I mean, is there, there's nothing really to 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 stop a company from saying, oh yeah, we totally have this creatine ethyl ester and it's just the same old product that we're supposed to be improving upon, right? Yeah. So, well, we we found one way. So what what was that? So we uh, worked with one of our, our attorneys that was, uh, that was helping us with this case, and we, we took a path that not many universities have went before, and that is we went to the International Trade Commission, the ITC, and we filed a complaint. And we filed a complaint stating that there were companies importing products because we, we learned that these were coming from overseas and advertising them as containing creatine ethyl ester when, in fact, they didn't. And this moved through the ITC, and we actually got several um, orders for products to be taken off the shelves. Uh, limited exclusion order, I believe is what they called it. And in this case, uh, these products were shut down and taken off the shelves. So we were able to use the intellectual property that we'd protected in order to try to force some competitors to play by the rules. Exactly. And, and we're, we did it not just with the IP, but also with the the fact that they still need to, when they market it, they still need to have contained what they say it is. So it's it's almost a, um, a marking issue as well as the intellectual property. So this really isn't just about an infringement thing, too. I mean, this is an interesting element where you're getting into consumer protection. Exactly, because you know one of the things we want as a university, when we report on a on a technology that we find to be useful, we want that product to to be what it is that we said it was. How 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 likely do you think the university is willing to to pursue uh, an infringement case if it doesn't have that consumer protection angle? It's difficult, and and there we 
we got no money out of this case. Um, so it, it's it's not something that we generated revenue from, and that's that's challenging for us. I think the important piece for us is we have a licensee who has significant presence here in Nebraska. They've hired Nebraskans. They were selling product that that was um, based on our research, and so we we partnered with them to to help get some of these products off the shelf. There were still several companies that had the product that that then they are working on enforcing the intellectual property uh, to to help clear the rest of the market. It's interesting you bring up their Nebraska presence. I believe this company started out, weren't they a Tennessee-based operation, but they built a facility in Nebraska? Yeah, to... so we were actually collaborating with them. They're a Tennessee facility that uh, had expertise in doing some of the things that we wanted to do manufacturing. After we created this invention with them, they actually created a Nebraska facility because they wanted to locate their production closer to our research. That's great. So, I mean, the economic, do we know what kind of economic impact a, a small thing like this has? So I, I believe they're up to around 20 to 30 jobs. Um, and the important thing is not just our technology that they make. They've went out and secured contracts for several other um, products, and they're starting to make them right here in Nebraska. They're down in Plattsmouth. And they've grown, uh, I think, out of two buildings, they're on their third and expanding rapidly. It's one of these companies that has um, – gazelle trajectory. It, it has the potential to add a lot of jobs and um, create a lot of products. You know, I, I think in retrospect, you know, I, I probably knew all of that and could have just told the story. So, you know, sure, Joe. now I'm just, now I'm feeling kind of like a fool. <laughs> you know what? Let's just do this again. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to ending up on the cutting room floor. It's okay. <laughs> it's incredibly generous of you. Well, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate your, your opportunity to tell the story. It's a really uh, great story that combines uh, what we do in tech transfer along with some of the goals that we really aspire to. So thanks for spending some time with us uh, and being our first ever super special guest. You're well, super special. I'm happy to fill that role, and you guys are doing a great job. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. And uh, with that, I, I do think it's time that we come to ground on this. I want to make sure to thank uh, Dr. Michael Dixon, as well as Charlie Litton and Tyler Schur uh, for the Innovation Overground team. I'm Joe Runke. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast service you're listening to. And thank you again very much for listening.